Father, this morning we come to you. Father, I pray that I decrease truly, Lord, and you increase. That you speak. The voice of man is only the power to entertain. The voice of God is the power to change lives. Change destinies. Change history. Help us to be still. That we may hear you speak. Help us to be still that we may hear you teach. We have come here, I pray, beyond knowledge, beyond wisdom. We have come here for life. You said my words are life and spirit. Help us to kill flesh. For the flesh profits nothing from your word. But the spirit gives life. Let there be a stillness in our inner man. Casting aside all the troubles of life. All the cares of life. All the worries of life. All the anxieties of life. So that you may speak. We sit at your feet, Lord. Speak to us. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Ramba, we... We've been looking from the book of Joshua. <clears throat> and the whole purpose of uh, the primary purpose, secondary purposes are there. From hearing from God's word, we said we get a hold on eternity. When God says, keep your Minds on things that are above basically means look into eternity. Eternity is coming, fast approaching, very fast approaching. And when eternity begins, how much of our life and our works down here will actually count? How much will actually count? It's a simple question. How much of it really count? What will I take from here, there? That's what it means. That's why it's so important to hear God speak. Hear God speaks. New covenant is primarily doctrine. And it is the doctrine of Christ. If Christ is in my life, I will not be able to receive doctrine. Bible says, when Christ, who is your life, appears. But if Christ is not my life, 
then I will not be actually be able to receive doctrine, even if I'm hearing doctrine. So Christ should be my life. Christ should be our life, so that we can receive the doctrine of life. Then there are principles and persons, which is there throughout the Bible. The people in the Bible, and much of it is in the Old Testament. And in the Old Testament, when we study the Old Testament, look for Christ. Look for Christ. Okay? Because we are here, men, women, and children. Husbands, wives, and children. Fathers, mothers, and children. Little children and youth. All categories are here. And you see them all there. You see Christ in men. You see Christ in husbands. You see Christ in fathers. You see Christ in mothers. You see Christ in wives. You see Christ in children. You see Christ in the youth. So you have doctrine. And you have people. That's how we learn what Christ would do and what Christ wouldn't do. Powerful examples. That's what Peter would say, the spirit of Christ who were there in the prophets. The spirit of Christ. Because when Jesus said, I have come to give you life, John 10, 10, he says, the thief, that is the enemy, he comes to steal. He comes to kill. He comes to destroy. But Jesus said, I have come to give you life. The question is, he gives life. I have to receive life and I have to live that life. The whole Bible is about the life of God. Old covenant people could not live that life. Yet they were examples to us. Hebrews 12 will say, the cloud of witnesses. And this life is received by faith. By faith. That's why at the end of hearing, at home, at church, anywhere, at the end of hearing, the simple thing is that it's faith rising. If faith hasn't come, the word of God is truth. But truth in itself does not save you. By faith, you have to receive that truth. And truth is very difficult, very, very difficult. So by faith, you have to receive the truth. And then by faith, you have to receive the grace to obey the truth. Both are by faith. Both are by faith. Okay. Keep these things in mind. Christ came to give us life. It's a life given to us. It's a life that we are called to enter, possess in increasing measure, and then hold. Each part of that life you possess, you hold. Because there is an enemy who comes to steal that life. So life is a very common word which everybody uses randomly, casually. So in Matthew 6 and verse 25, Jesus said, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat, what you will drink, 
nor about your body. He brings it to very simple terms. Eat, drink, wear. And almost everything else you are thinking about is connected to these three basic things. Even career, marriage, everything is connected to these three. If I marry that man, can I eat better, (laughs) wear better? Everything fundamentally an average man, woman. So Jesus makes it very, very simple. (laughs) Very, very simple. Do not worry about your life. All these young girls are laughing. If you think, I do not know what goes in their minds when they are thinking about their future. Girls' worries are different from a man's worries. So God says, therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on, is not life. Is not life. More than food. And body more than clothing. So I have come to give you life. So you have to go and see what does Jesus talk about life. What is life? For the average man, life is connected with the temporal. It's absolutely connected with the temporal. And then, in verse 32 and 33, he says, For after all these things the Gentiles seek. So if at the primary objective in your life is broadly connected with this, he says, you may be a child of God, but you are no better than a Gentile. Because Gentiles, meaning the people who are alienated from the life of God, seek these things. But your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. So God says you have a father. And the father knows you need all these things. All these temporal things. He knows you need all these things. But this is what your father wants. Your father wants you to think about life at a completely different, higher level. What is that? Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness. And all these things which you are so concerned and worried about, he says, will be added. Will be added. God says, you know what? You seek these things, let me add these things. But usually, we seek the things which God is supposed to add. And therefore, we miss everything. We actually miss on life. We miss on life. And the problem here is, which man needs to understand through the wise man, the wise fool called Solomon. God put eternity into our hearts. You cannot escape it. You cannot escape it. That is why all these people who ran after money or name or popularity after they achieve it are so empty and miserable, including Solomon. Why do they keep saying life is so empty? Why do they? Any field, if you look at it, it's because we were not meant for the temporal. We were meant for the eternal. And the eternal is signified there as the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is for ever and ever and ever. And God says, seek that first. 
He says, if you seek that first, and his righteousness. And there's a difference there. There are three primarily kinds of righteousness. There's a righteousness that comes by the law. That is the righteousness of religion. There's a righteousness that comes by self. That is self-righteousness. And then there is the righteousness of God that comes by faith and faith alone. So the qualifications are there very clearly. Seek first the kingdom of God and it's a very powerful verse. Very, very powerful verse. Life-changing verse. And you have to read it carefully, slowly. Seek ye first. Not second. Not just on a Sunday. First. Seek ye first. Priority in your life. Seek ye first. All these things shall be added unto you. I have come to give you life. And don't misunderstand life. Children of God, children of the Heavenly Father, don't live like Gentiles. What to eat, what to drink, what to wear. Don't live in the temporal. Instead, seek the eternal and a righteousness that comes by faith alone. And you will suddenly realize God is doing the adding. God is doing the adding. If you turn to Matthew chapter 16 and verse 24 and 25, and Jesus said to his disciples, he's saying his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, this is for people who decides to come after me. Today we had the children singing a beautiful song. What was the song? One thing I decide. But my issues with all these songs are they are good. But they are not new, new covenant. Because in the new covenant, you are the temple. In the old covenant, they went to the temple. So one thing I decide that I may dwell in your house forever. But in the new covenant, you say, Lord, that you would dwell in me forever. More and more and more and more. Not that I dwell in your house, which is a physical location, but you dwell in me. And you take over more and more. So, whoever, anyone decides to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. And then he qualifies in verse 25. Whoever decides to save his life. Again, he brings life there. He said you will lose it. You will ultimately lose your life. You're not saying losing your life like dying. He says when you reach heaven, you will see hardly anything came up. The Bible says, Paul says, our works will be tested. Our life will be tested by fire. And if many will come just with salvation alone and nothing else. All gone. That's why these things shouldn't be taken lightly. It doesn't matter how old you are. If you have believed in the Lord Jesus Christ and you are saved, you have to take it very seriously. Whoever decides to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. What will he find it? He will find life. He will find life. So Jesus says, if anyone wants to come after me, first thing is don't take up his cross. First deny himself, his life. See, the 
Cross doesn't come first. Cross signifies sacrifice. And there are a lot of people in the world who have picked up their cross. But it is for self. It is for self. Everybody who has reached the pinnacle of success, you look into their lives, there is sacrifice. But that was not a sacrifice for Christ. It was for self-life. So God says, first you need to deny that life. Then pick up the cross. Then only you can actually follow me. Otherwise you're not following me, you're following yourself. Your dreams, your ambitions, your prospects, all that you're following. Of course you're using me on the way. It's not about me. He says, if you want to follow me. If you want to follow me. Okay. Thing is that, whether we're young or old, don't waste life. Matthew 7 and verse 13. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. Again, verse 14. Because narrow is the gate, difficult is the way which leads to, again he brings life. And there are very few who find it. But this is not primarily talking about just salvation alone. God says in this journey, of people who are saved, who have entered through that gate, have entered into God's kingdom by faith to receive the gift of salvation, who entered. The number of people who actually finish it, finish it, not at losing a salvation, don't, don't misunderstand, who finish it, receiving, possessing the life Christ gave, will be very few. Very few. Very few. And what is stopping us? Self. Nothing else. We blame the devil and all, but actually, when Jesus walked on earth, the devil was still there. Much more powerful than he was now. Because he was not defeated yet. The world was there. Oppress you, Roman Empire. But Jesus said, the ruler of this world has come and he found nothing in me. See, the simple thing is that any day your self dies, the devil loses. The world loses. Because he loses the power over you. The devil or the world cannot touch you or me except through myself. That's what God is talking about. So we have not come here for knowledge alone or wisdom. Or understanding. We have come for life. Because what you come for, like you go into any classroom, what you come for matters. If you have come for life, you will receive life. But if you want his life, we should be willing to lose our life. So keep your eyes fixed on eternity. Matthew 16 and verse 26, I think I did not give it. After that, 24, 25, if you go to 26. No? Can I have it? For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world? Right? So it is possible that a man can achieve all his dreams. Achieve all his ambition, his 
career objectives, everything he had planned out, you can achieve. And yet lose his own. Yeah, that's how Alexander the Great died, right? When he died, he said, leave my hands out of the, out of the coffin. That I came with nothing, I'm going with nothing. Yet it's reputed to have said that he cried. Because there were no more lands to be conquered. And he was only 33 years old. Achieved his objectives, dreams, and died empty. Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Okay, because we have come to the end of the first month. So we keep these things. Keep these things. Keep hearing. Keep hearing. Keep believing. Keep speaking. Keep doing. This continuous thing with God and that life he offers. So if we go back to Joshua chapter 1 and verse 1 and 2. After the death of Moses, qualified, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass the Lord spoke to Moses, Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all these people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. And in verse 11, and then we'll come back to verse 1. Verse 11, pass through the camp, command the people, say, prepare provisions for yourself, for within three days, you will cross over this Jordan to go in and possess the land which the Lord your God is giving you to possess. So the principles of the life with Jesus has come and is giving us how to be possessed. We probably won't go beyond verse 1 today. We'll go back there to verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua. It all begins there. God spoke. If God doesn't speak, you don't have the 24 chapters of the book of Joshua. He is the author of our faith. He is the author. If he doesn't speak, everything else that happens in our life is pointless and a waste. Because faith comes from hearing. And hearing by the word of God. What he has spoken and what he speaks. Because we serve a God who speaks. Joshua is around 80 years old. He's around and God hasn't spoken to him yet. He spoke to him through another man, but he didn't speak to him directly. Eight years old. You go read the the previous four books, Exodus to Deuteronomy. You don't see God speaking to Joshua. God speaking to Moses about Joshua, yes. Not to Joshua directly. This is the first time it is written God spoke to Joshua. And because now God speaks to Joshua, that day would change his life. The day God speaks to you personally will change your life. Now God speaks to Joshua. Right? 
He speaks to Joshua. What does he speak? He says, arise. He says, cross over. Prepare. He says, pass over. He says, persist. It's important what you hear. Because a lot of people who hear, but they don't rise. They don't rise. It's a very spiritual act to rise when God speaks. There are those who rise, but they don't prepare. There are those who prepare, but they don't cross over. Because you're not asked to cross over what you think. You're asked to cross over a very particular place called Jordan. You are asked to cross over a very specific place. And life is on the other side of Jordan. Have you heard? Yes. Did you rise? Yes. Did you prepare? Yes. Did you cross over? No. Go back today and read Second Kings chapter 2. There's a journey that begins. Elijah and Elisha. An old man and a young disciple like Joshua. The journey begins at Gilgal. That's where the journey begins. There are four stages in that journey. But the journey ends on the other side of Jordan. From Gilgal to Jericho. Sorry, Bethel. Bethel to Jericho. Jericho to the other side of Jordan. And at Bethel and Jericho, there are sons of prophets. Did they hear? Of course they heard. They said, do you know that your master will be taken today? They heard. They had risen. They had prepared. But one thing they were not willing to do. They were not willing to cross Jordan. They were not willing to cross Jordan. Elijah, through the power of the Spirit, splits Jordan. He crosses over and Jordan closes again. And it's only after he crossed over and Elisha has crossed with him, he asks Elisha, what do you want? What do you seek? Today's words, he's saying, I'm seeking your life. That life that is upon you, that anointing that is upon you, I want that. That's why I followed you all these years. So hearing, rising, preparing, crossing over, then persisting. It is not enough that you persist. You need to hold it till the end. If you look at Revelation chapter 3 and verse 11, Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have. That no one take it away. Who is the one who takes it away? The devil. He comes to steal. He comes to steal. Look through the Bible. Look at great men of God. Many of them did not hold it till the end. They did not hold it till the end. That life of Christ, they did not hold it till the end. I'm not saying they lost their salvation. We are not talking, we are not even talking about salvation here. We are speaking to saved people. 
Hold fast till the end. Listen to this great man, 2 Timothy 4.7. I have. It was a battle every day. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. He says, I have held fast till the end. Now, there is reserved for me. Now, there is reserved for me. But where did it all begin? It all began the day God spoke. One day, on the road to Damascus, God spoke. Please, which way God chooses to speak, we do not know. But believe, God speaks. God doesn't speak. We will live actually lives without purpose. It all begins because God speaks. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 3. And God said, God said, let there be. That's where it all begins. If God hadn't spoken, nothing would have happened. Let there be light. You know, the average uh, speed of an aeroplane is like, aircraft is like around 500 miles per hour. 500 miles per hour. At that speed, non-stop, I think it will take around 20 days to reach moon. But light reaches in 1.3 seconds. Man's ability and God's ability. Okay, Light takes 1.3 seconds. What is the first thing God said? Let there be. If that is what light is, then what is God? Then how are we so casual about what God is speaking? Because the first words God spoke. He saw darkness, but he spoke light. First words God spoke is, let there be light. Okay. What he saw was darkness. What he saw was emptiness. What he saw had no form at all. So the simple question is, when God looks into us, what does he see? Does he see darkness? When he looks into my soul and your soul, does he see there is no form? Because he is trying to conform us to the image of his son. But when he looks into our souls, he says, you know what? That's my son and there is no form. That's my son full of the spirit. You are empty. That's my son who is a radiance of the brightness of his coming which will destroy the Antichrist. But there is no light. What does he see? It's not what do I see. What does he see? Because if he doesn't speak, I will not hear. And if I don't hear, I will not know. What does he see? Because if you are saved, you should always go back to the beginning. That's what Genesis means. How did God begin? What did he intend? Genesis 1 is a very good chapter. Genesis 1 and 2 is a very good chapter. You see a format over there. God said, let there be light. 
Then there is time. Then there is seasons. Then is creation, creatures. And a threefold blessing on creatures. Be fruitful, multiply, and fill. Only three. Then he makes man. And a fivefold blessing on man. Same three plus subdue and have dominion. And there is work. Then he said, it's not good for man to be alone. Man is given, I don't say instructions, he's given commands. So there is work, there are commands, and the commands are connected with time and seasons. There is work, there is rest, there is fellowship. Think about it. Time, seasons, Work, rest, relationship, order. It's all there in the first two chapters. Why? Because God spoke. So we need to ask, where am I in God's time? Where am I in God's time? I'm this many years old. Where am I in God's time? Because time is a luxury. You don't get it back. Which season am I in? Some seasons are not repeated. What is the work I'm called to do? And don't think you are young. Because at the age of 12, Jesus knew what his work was. He said, I am at my father's business. Then comes sin. Then comes death. The fundamentals never change. That's why we need to ask this question. What is life? What is life? What is the will of God for me? Work, rest, relationship. There are times and seasons. Then I have strength, resources, gifts, all centered around the will of God. Then one day will come what is called death. Hebrews 9, 27. Sooner or later, depending upon God and your life. And it is appointed for men to die once. Then comes judgment. Comes judgment. And nobody is sure about death, especially in our days. If you, if you look at the sting on the Pfizer executive, Remember what they were talking about? It was it was a sting and the guy didn't know. He was talking about, you know, we will keep on mutating the virus. By 2025, we want half the world dead. So do you know when you will die? Do you know how many young people, even the best athletes are dying because of the vaccine and because of disease? Do you know when you will die? If you live life without purpose, you will die. For, for To be able to say, I shall not die, but live, you need to know the works of the Lord. That's why that purpose comes from hearing. God spoke. After death is 
judgment. And the nature of that judgment, Hebrews 6 2, that nature of that judgment is eternal, meaning you can go back and change it. That's why children have palpitations when final exams come. Because they know there is something about final about it. Final. I still remember when I was doing my uh, class 10 board exam, the teacher is telling us, remember, you may think you can do supplementary makeup, but remember, if you lose one year, he says, because you will have in the newspaper. Do you know how many people, how many students are writing class 10 exams? In my time, it was 5 lakhs plus. He said, if you lose one year, next year it will be 10 lakhs. Because another 5 lakhs have entered. Because you delayed. In the temporal. So there is something finality about the final exam. But even that final is not final. But this is eternal. So take life seriously. Take life seriously. Seriously. There is life. God has come to give us life. Jesus has come to give us life. And ultimately when we stand before God, only thing that will be judged is that life. And Jesus comes and says, don't worry. What you will eat, what you will drink, what you will wear. Instead he says, seek. Because you need to understand the meaning of life, the purpose of life. Don't assume, don't presume. Because we have a God who speaks beyond the general will of God which you can learn from the word of God by hearing, meditating. Each one can find their slot in God's purpose. In Psalm 127, unless the Lord builds the house, look at that verse, two verses, three times he uses the word wane, wane, wane. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late. So this is not a lazy guy. This is a hard working guy. He wakes up early in the morning. He sits up late to eat the bread of sorrows. He's struggling, 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 struggling. For he gives his beloved sleep. Beloved sleep. So there is work. There is purpose. There is rest. And then the next verse is talking about relationships. There's a place called home. So God is talking about all this. He says, if he, Paul will put it across, he says, you know what? We are not working for Christ. We are working with Christ. We are co-laborers with Christ. We are co-laborers with God. Think about it. Not simple. All the children and older people sitting here, ask this simple question. Do you, are you conscious you're working with God? What a statement he makes. We are co-laborers with Christ. That means unless the Lord wills. God is a worker. He works along with us. With us. 
Simple things to start your day off tomorrow. Whether you are a student, whether you are an employee, whatever you are, or as we call in India, housewife. Doesn't matter. Are you working with God? Are you working with God? How can I work with God? Unless I hear, because God speaks. You can never doubt the fact that God speaks because God speaks. He speaks. Hebrews chapter 1. God who at various times and in various ways, what did he do? Spoke. In time past. He spoke in time past. To the fathers by what? Prophets. But in the last days spoken to us by his son. Aren't we privileged? He spoke to them through prophets. He speaks to us through his son. And now he speaks to us through his written word and his own son spirit that is in us. He speaks. Our God speaks. Then in chapter 2 verses 1 to 3 says, Therefore we must give more earnest heed to the things we have heard. If we are not very careful of revising. Right? That's what teachers do, right? We all did, both of us. I don't know. Pastor Vidya, at a higher level, I taught literature. But the last month, before that, we finished portion. And what are we doing? Revise. Earnest heed to the things that you have heard. Otherwise, what will happen? You will drift away. You will drift away. You know what drifting is? Take thermocol or a cork and put it in water. You just drift away. You won't even realize. You'll just drift away. One day when you realize, you will realize you're so far away. How did I reach here? So far away. You will drift away. So we have to be very careful that we give earnest heed to the things. That's why we keep on posting the old messages. Keep hearing. Keep hearing. Whatever you're doing, cooking, washing, keep hearing, keep hearing, keep hearing, keep hearing, keep hearing. Otherwise, for if the word spoken through angels proved steadfast, every transgression disobedient received a just reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him. So what does God speak? Do you know that every time God speaks, he speaks salvation? He speaks life. That's what he speaks. He speaks life. So the Bible is full of a record of people to whom God spoke. Those who obeyed or those who did not obey. Or to people to whom God did not speak. The three categories of people in the Bible. One to those God who spoke and they obeyed. Those who heard did not obey. And those who never heard. But every time God spoke, every time God spoke, and they heard, life changed. Life changed. Okay? We're going back to this symbol. See, as pastors, all we can do is give you the fundamentals of understanding and appropriating the general will of God. 
which itself is good. That's why surrender to God is not a difficult thing because his will is only three categories, good, pleasing and perfect. There's nothing called bad will of God. Ill will of God, no. Ill will of man, good will of God. So knowing God is good, his will is good, it is easy to go and surrender with that concept. But each one has to discover God's will. Genesis chapter 3, verse 8 and 9. They heard the sound of God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. Then God called, the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? So if you look at patterns, because you go to the Bible to look at patterns, there was a specific place where God used to come and speak to Adam and Eve. Why? Because it says, this is the pattern of living. Understand, that is the pattern in which we should live. You shall not live by the pattern of that tree, what is good, what is evil. There are three patterns by which people live. This is good, this is evil. Right and wrong. Third pat- second pattern is, what does the law say? The law says this. So it is no longer good and evil, it is the law. Homosexuality has been legalized. So what was evil is now legalized. So we don't look at even what is good or evil. We don't want to hear about it. The law has sanctioned it. And there's a third way of living. What is it? What did God say? God only speaks the truth. Because God is truth. But there is a place where he spoke. There is a place where he spoke. That is what is so important. First thing you need to realize. Lord, let me be at the place where I can hear you. A place is not just a physical location. Though on a Sunday morning, it's a physical location. Unless you have exigencies, you should be in the house of God where he speaks. For Jesus said, if two or three of you gather in my name, I'll be in your midst. What does he come? He speaks. He does many other things, but he speaks. So this is our place. But as as soon as they had disobeyed God, they are not at the place where he speaks. They are not at the place where he speaks. They are not at the place. This is a spiritual place. It's a spiritual place. They are not at a place where he speaks. God speaks. Are you at a place where you can speak? After 40 years in the wilderness, listening to Moses, God spoke to Joshua. Because he was in the right place. If you are not at the right place, God will not speak to you. Even if a God were to be speaking to us, because he only speaks at certain places, and we are not at that place, God is not able to speak. If I am not at that place, and then I say God spoke, then maybe it is not God who spoke. Be careful. You cannot live empty 
good, good, empty, purposeless lives. And purpose is not defined by you or me. It has to be defined by God. Because God speaks. The book of Genesis is a record of people to whom God spoke. The book of Exodus begins with the record of Joseph and his brothers and that generation died. And then arose a Pharaoh who did not know Joseph. They are going through so much suffering. They are groaning. They are wailing. They are crying. God heard. God didn't speak. The Bible says very clearly God heard them. God did not speak. Why didn't God speak? Because they did not have a man who could hear. So in Exodus chapter 3, there is a situation where there is a burning bush, where the bush is not being consumed, and there is the light still flaring. And Moses said, he's speaking, I will now turn aside, see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. And the Bible says, so when Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him. He saw your sign. Saw your sign. But he said, if there is a sign, there must be a signifier. That's why Jesus was upset with his generation. He says, sign, 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 sign. How many more signs do you need? But there was a man who came in the night. He said, I saw the signs. And I'm sure you are from God. He didn't come for a healing. He didn't come for a miracle. He wanted to know the signifier. But when Jesus told him the cost of knowing him, he backed out. He said, you have to be born again. What does it mean to be born again? It means to be gone. You have to negate your entire past life. Shut down. And he said, wow, I'm in the Sanhedrin. I'm part of the, this thing. Give up all that. He walked away in the night. When the Lord saw, he turned aside. Then God spoke. And his life changed. And because he was a pivotal man in human history, history changed. It all began because God spoke. People are crying. People are groaning. God is hearing, but he won't speak. He won't speak. Because he needs a person who will hear. God is not a God who wastes words. He's looking for a man who will hear him. If you go to Leviticus verse 1, the next book. And the Lord called to Moses. How does the book begin? God spoke. Numbers 1.1. 1, 1. And the Lord spoke. The next book. Deuteronomy 1.3. Now it came to pass in the 40th year, Moses spoke to the children of Israel according to all the Lord had. Yes. God spoke to him. He spoke to the people. You see the books are all opening with the same narrative. God spoke to man. Man spoke to men. God spoke. God spoke. God spoke. God spoke. And when the book of Joshua begins, God spoke. We have a God who speaks. Because life is full of confusion and conflicts and trials and testing. The first place we need to be is to be in a place where you hear. It's a very safe place. It's a very safe place. 
Even if you have that cross on your back, meaning you are on the crosshairs of the gun side. But if you are in the place where you have heard, you are in a safe place. Elijah, turn eastward, go to Cherith, stay there. I have commanded the ravens to feed you. And there are the kings and the soldiers in the army searching town after town, city after city, village after village, country after country for this man. But he cannot be found because he's where God wants him. And he's provided for there when everybody is scavenging for food and water. He's taken care of. Because he's where God wants him to be. Because he heard. When the brook dries up, God tells him, Elijah, arise and go to Zarephath. Because I have commanded a widow to feed you. He's safe. Right under Jezebel's father's nose, he's thriving. Because he's where he has heard. That he has heard. And he stays there. And after some time, arise and go meet Ahab, the man who's looking after you. And tell him, I'll meet you at Carmel. First place. Be at a place where you can hear. I'm telling you, it's a difference between life and death. Because Joshua is a type of Jesus and a type of an overcomer. And he is the author and the finisher of our faith. So there is Joshua. So you learn from Joshua. We learn lessons from Joshua. And we learn lessons from Jesus because he is the author. So we are always looking for the spirit of Jesus working in different people. How to be, how not to be. How to be, how not to be. And that is what repentance means. You hear that? You say, Lord, I am coming back. Forgive me. I am turning. I am turning to the side. Because what I want is your life. I don't want any life outside of you. So in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 1 and 2, Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourself also with the same mind. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. That he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. So God is saying something. If you want to live for will of God, if you want to live for the will of God, you need to battle self. Your flesh, your self-life, that life. You have to fight it. And you know how Jesus was able to fulfill the will of his father? Because he fought that. He came in the likeness of human flesh. He was tempted at all points, yet did not sin. So he says, this is the battle to which you are called. He says, before you can, you know, you have an internal conflict always going on. There's an internal conflict. It begins from the moment you wake up in the morning, if you wake up in the morning. The conflict begins. So if you turn to Exodus chapter 17, and Moses said to Joshua. The first time Joshua is mentioned in the Bible. Moses said to Joshua. What did he tell him? Choose us some men and go out and fight with Amalek. Now when we study scripture, we understand Amalek is a type of the flesh. The first time Joshua is mentioned, he is mentioned to go fight flesh. Where did it happen? It happened at Rephidim. What happened at Rephidim? They drank from the rock. 
The minute they drank from the rock, which is the type of the life of Christ that comes through the Holy Spirit, the Bible says Amalek attacked them. As long as you do not taste the life of Christ Jesus, the devil will leave you alone. But the minute you taste the life of God, the devil will come after you. Because he says, this life is now dangerous. And God will say, Amalek came from behind and attacked first the weaklings. Amalek will come and hit you at your weak areas. And the Bible says, God told Joshua through Moses, what does he tell him? Get up and fight. So Joshua did as Moses said to him. How did he fight? Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. The devil comes to steal. Comes to steal. Honestly telling you, unless you are in the actually in the occult, the devil cannot kill you. You kill yourself. He only steals. He cannot destroy you. You destroy yourself. Yourself. Self-destruction. All he does is steal. The first thing he steals is your hearing. Matthew 16 and verse 18, Jesus says, The gates of hell, Hades, shall not prevail against it. Gates signifies doors and authority. Gates. Revelation 1.18, Jesus says, He has the keys of Hades. So God is saying, you know what, the devil comes to steal. How does he steal? Because he finds open doors. He finds open doors. But God says, the keys are with my son. Do you trust my son to shut those doors? In our lives. Second Corinthians chapter 11, verse 2 and 3. I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy, for I have betrothed you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear, lest somehow, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Did you see that? What did the devil do? He just deceived Eve. He deceived he didn't deceive Adam. First Timothy. Chapter 4. If I'm right, right? 2.14. Adam was not deceived. But both disobeyed. Both disobeyed. So you need to realize, you can disobey by deception and you can disobey with knowledge. Eve deceived and disobeyed. Adam disobeyed with his eyes open. Both opened literally the gates of hell. What's telling Joshua? Fight Amalek. Fight Amalek. The final test for the king, first king of Israel. 
1 Samuel chapter 15 and verse 3 to Saul. Final chance. Now go and attack Amalek. Utterly destroy all that they have. Do not spare them, but kill both man and woman, infant and nursing child, oxen, sheep, camel and donkey. Now when we read that, we feel, ah, don't worry about that. Look at the spiritual application today. The spiritual application then is different. All Gentile things, everything in that pagan culture, including the newborn infant, has gone through for the occult. Their sheep, their goats, their donkey. God says, you don't want anything of that. Destroy it. Because it's already been given over for another purpose. You bring it over here, you will be opening gates. So destroy it completely. That's what it means. The new covenant for us, God is saying, everything. Don't consider this little and that big. And verse 9. Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep and the oxen, the fatlings, the lambs and all that was good. All that was? So he went by the principle of us, what is good and bad. And not what God said. Not the truth. What God has spoken is what is true. See, when, when God spoke, that is where faith comes. See, faith is just receiving God's word. It is not looking at what is good or wrong because simply doesn't have the ability to judge what is right and wrong. Because right and wrong will be only known later. You just receive God's word. The Bible says, by faith we understand. The worlds were created by what was? By the word of God, by the unseen. Has science even today caught up with creation? No, it hasn't. But by faith we understand. Understand doesn't mean we understand the, all the principles of creation. By faith we accept the fact God created it. So when God says something, it is always true. And therefore by faith we receive it. It is important because otherwise when you disobey God, you will not have the prick in your conscience. Otherwise, like King Saul, you will start justifying. That's what Saul did. When he was caught with the hand in the cookie jar, he said, but the people. You'll start justifying. Why doesn't he have conviction, unlike David? Because he has never accepted the word of God as truth. Because remember, for the Holy Spirit to convict you, you should have received God's word as truth. If you have not accepted God's word, whether you understand you don't, the whole Bible is not the truth. Have you accepted at some point God's word is the truth? Then the Holy Spirit can convict. Convict. But you and I are the arbiter of what is right and what is wrong, what is good and what is bad. Even when we hear God's word, we are very selective as to what I will destroy and what I will keep. When the command is very clear. Command is very clear. 15 and verse 13. And Samuel went to Saul and Saul said to him, Blessed are you of the Lord, I have performed the commandment of the Lord. But did he? So there is Joshua. Exodus 17 and verse 13. Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with what? By the edge of the sword. These things are not written randomly. It's for us upon whom the end of ages has come. It destroyed Amalek by the edge of the sword. 
The word of God is living. It's double-edged. It is the sword of the spirit. You want to destroy Amalek. I want to destroy Amalek. It's a constant battle. It's a constant battle. You cannot quit this battle. You do it. It's at your own peril. First Samuel 15 and verse 22. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected. I think I gave you 22, right? You put 23? I think I gave you 22. Did I give you 22 or 23? 20. I want 22. For Samuel said, As the Lord has great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as obeying the voice of God. The other one we know. We are very familiar. I wanted this one. Because this is human reasoning. We substitute sacrifice for obedience. We substitute sacrifice for obedience. Turn to Hebrews chapter 10 and read from verse 5 to 7. When Jesus comes. Therefore when he came into the world he said sacrifice and offering you did not desire. But a body you have prepared for me in burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin you had no pleasure. Then I said, behold, I have come in the volume of the book. It is written about me to do your will, O God. He says, you are not interested in sacrifice without obedience. You want obedience and the sacrifice that goes with obedience. I hope you got the difference. Because we have so much sacrifice. So much sacrifice. But the simple question is not sacrifice. The simple question is, did you obey? Did you obey? God says if there is no obedience, your sacrifice is pointless. Because the issue is this. Whenever God is confronted, when a person is confronted, they don't look at their disobedience. They look at their sacrifice. Even in personal conflicts and all. The issue may be a question of obedience. I told you to do this, you didn't do this. But when the issue is trying to discuss, you bring a history of sacrifice. You don't know what all I did for you and you never remember, you never compliment. That was not the issue. The issue was something else. Did you obey? Did you obey? But you need to understand that's how it happens even in human conflicts or with God. The issue is that when God is trying to bring the issue of obedience, we go into a history of sacrifice. And God says, I don't want sacrifice. I want obedience. I want obedience. Home conflicts, church conflicts. Pastor tells, I'm not talking about you, I'm talking generally. Pastor tells somebody, you know, I want you to, you to do this. And the person doesn't do that. And when he's called, why didn't you do that? Pastor never appreciates me. I am the first to come. I am the last to go. I clean the place. But that is not what was discussed. The discussion was a very small thing. You were asked to do something. The only question was, did you do or not? You are giving a history of sacrifice. Husband and wife, parents and children, everywhere the question is actually a question of obedience. But what do we respond? We don't realize we have the same flesh. Amalek is busy. They give a history of sacrifice. And finally, tired of it all, the Son of God comes and says, I will not talk about sacrifice. I will not talk about offerings. I will talk about what? 
obedience. I have come to do your will. Are you getting the picture? So if you turn back to Joshua chapter 17 and verse 8, 9, and 10, 17. Yes. 1, 7. Oh, Exodus. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Not Joshua. Exodus 17. I just only one generation. Okay. Now Amalek came and fought with Israel in Rehidim, and Moses said to Joshua, choose us some men and go out and fight with Amalek. Moses, Joshua could have told many things. Why should I go? You're just putting my life at risk. I've never fought a battle before. Moses said, Joshua did. Moses said, Joshua did. But how did Moses say? Read. No. Choose us. Choose us. Choose us. I'm in the battle as much as you. Only our positions are different. You fight there, I fight there. We are in this together. We are co-laborers with Christ Jesus. We are in this together. That's how it began. Joshua's life begins there. That's where he's beginning. Choose us, some men, and go fight. You go there, I'll go there. That's where Joshua began. And Joshua's victory is entirely dependent on Moses. That's what we need to realize. Yes, we are in this world. We are fighting on. Our victory is entirely dependent on the fact whether Jesus will intercede for me or not. Not even my prayers. For he lives forever to make intercession for the saints. So if his hands are not up, I will lose. If hands are up, I will win. But the simple question is, am I listening to him? Am I fighting the battles he wants me to fight? Or am I fighting my battles and say, Lord, would you please keep your hands up and pray? Why are you keeping it down? Don't you know I am fighting here? God says, I didn't call you to fight those fights. That's why all these little things matter. As you go further and further and further in a walk with God, you will see every little detail matters. Matters. Because the thing is that we want to finish well. After 15 rounds, McCarthy became the speaker in the U.S. Congress. 15 rounds of voting. I think 14 or 12 or 14 or 15 rounds he became. And when he took the podium and the gavel, he said, my father told me, and his father was an electrician or a, something like that. He said, my father told me, it's not how you start that matters, it's how you finish. It's not how you start that matters. It's how you finish. A good start is very good. But more than a good start, what matters is how will you finish? And you will realize. That's why Jesus said, the, the way is very difficult. Why is the way so difficult? Narrow is the way. Difficult is the way. Why is the way difficult? Because right in the middle of the way stands truth. If I were to tell you this is right and this is wrong, everybody is happy. 
But if I have to tell you that you need to encounter God and discover truth for yourself, everybody says, why don't you make it easy? Because God is truth. Jesus is truth. The word of God is truth. The spirit is truth. And the church is the pillar and the foundation of truth. And our struggle is with that. The struggle is that. And the thing is that Jesus said, if you do not deny yourself and pick up your cross, you simply cannot follow me. You will not ever understand the truth. Not understand the truth. The parameters for understanding truth itself is different. He says, if you don't deny yourself, then you're not hearing truth. You are hearing what you want to hear about yourself. You're not hearing truth. Go to Exodus 24, verse 1. And he said to Moses, Come up to the Lord, you and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel, and worship from afar. These are are like, you know, beautiful words. What does God say? Come up to the... Did you hear it this morning? Come to church. No. He said, come to me. Come to me. You see, it's a whole lot of difference going to church and going to Christ. He didn't say, come up to the mountain. He says, come up to me. Though he's on the top of the mountain, he says, come up to me. Come up to the Lord, who? You, Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel, and worship from? afar. Go to verse 9. Then Moses went up, also Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel. And then verse 13. They give verse 13. Yeah. So Moses arose with his assistant Joshua, and Moses went up to the mountain. And he said to the elders, wait here for us until we come back to you. Indeed, Aaron and her are with you. If any man has a difficulty, let him go to them. Let me ask you this question. Are the instructions so difficult? Are they difficult? Go to verse 18. So Moses went into the midst of the cloud, went up into the mountain, and Moses was on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. 40 days and? Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, Hur, 70 elders, all are there. And he said, all of you wait here until we get up, get back. And Joshua, come with me. And then Moses disappears into the cloud. 40 days later when he comes back, only Joshua is there. Others have disappeared. Can you wait? Nobody is there. Everybody is gone. The Bible says they saw the Lord. His The ground was like sapphire clean. They saw the Lord. They ate and got in strike. They saw all of it. But nobody waited. A simple instruction call. Would you wait here? They all disappeared. It's very simple. Nothing complicated. Very simple. Wait here. I will come back. He called me. He will send me back. Till I get back, come here. 
It was only Joshua. A little later, Aaron has made a golden calf. Why? Because they didn't wait. A little later, Nadab and Abihu will die because fire will come out of the presence of God and destroy them because they did not wait. Little later, 70 of these elders who must have been part of the 250 elders who rose against Moses will also die. Why did they all die? Why did they all go haywire? It's simply because they heard, but they did not believe to obey. It's so simple. The enemy comes to steal, to kill, to destroy. Let me ask you that question. Was it very difficult? Wait. Lord, you are praying, you are praying, you are fasting, you are praying, you are going. Then in the middle of it, you hear a small voice. A very still, small voice. One word. One word is what? Wait. That's all. Last week there was another, I mean, all, every week there is a crisis. The enemy is always testing. It's a crisis. There are crises here. It was in Egypt. And suddenly this thing comes and I'm under pressure. Tremendous pressure. I have to handle it. And then I heard God say, wait. Wait. I said, okay. Once you heard wait, then the load is lifted. Otherwise the load will write. Now until you hear the load is there. So I said, Lord, how long is that wait? 24 hours. I said, okay, 24 hours. Within 24 hours, the situation was resolved. But if I didn't hear, I would have intervened. And the weight would have become a burden. I'm telling you, if you don't hear, because life is coming. Remember, first great persecution arose in Jerusalem and they were all scattered. There will be a season of scattering in everybody's life where God will take you all out to different places. And if by then you haven't heard the discipline of hearing from God, the difference between life and death. Living with purpose and without purpose. It is not so difficult. Because if you don't listen, if you don't have the habit of hearing, you will be like King Saul. Listen to King Saul. First Samuel chapter 13. He waited seven days. According to the time set by Samuel. But Samuel did not come to Gilgal. And the people were scattered from him. So Saul said, bring a burnt offering, peace offerings, here to me. And he offered the burnt offering. Now it happened, as soon as he had finished presenting the burnt offering, that Samuel came. And Saul went to meet him that he might greet him. And Samuel said, what have you done? Saul said, when I saw the people were scattered from me and that you did not come within the days appointed, the Philistines gathered together at Mismach and... The Philist- then I said, the Philistines will now come down on me at Gilgal and I have not made supplication to the Lord. Therefore, I felt a lot of people do because they are compelled. But the question is, who compelled you? What was told to you? Wait. Wait. You didn't wait. You didn't wait. A simple thing. Wait here. You think these words, little words? Before Jesus ascended, he told his disciples. Paul will say he appeared to almost 500 disciples. He told them all, wait. How many were there on the day of Pentecost? 120. So what happened to the other 380 plus? They did not? Do you have their history? No. Why? 
simply because they did not wait. See, when the Lord tells you to wait, it's not time wasted. It's not time lost. Because it is written, those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Second, they shall so mound up like eagles, meaning all the time you thought lost was actually gained. I always use the example of Joseph, 13 years as a slave and as a prisoner. But in one day he was out. The next thing you see, he's standing before the king. And the king looks at him, listens to his words and his interpretation and his wisdom and says, there is nobody else in this kingdom like you who has the spirit of God. You take charge. You are only second to me. You know what? He did not lose time or strength. To reach the top, here we call principal secretary or cabinet secretary, to reach that. One, very few will reach in a dispensation. To reach there from my years, how many years of service and the rivalry and no rivalry, nothing, just lifted up and put over there because he learned to wait. Learned to wait. The first lesson God teaches his son is to wait. 30 years he waited. At 12 he was ready. He already knew his father's business, but he waited. The simple principles. Wait. Don't be compelled to get married. There are a lot of people who get compelled to get married. And they become like that Hindi Telugu movie, Bahubali. Girl committed suicide. Why? Bahubali. She was compelled to get married. (laughs) Don't be compelled. Wait. Wait. Joshua waited. And Moses comes down. Only Joshua is there. Everybody's gone. Everybody's gone. Joshua is still waiting. Let me tell you, it is more difficult for Joshua to wait for than for the others. Let me ask you this question. There are 50 people called to wait. One person has to wait alone. The other 49 have to wait together, which is easy. The one or the 49? 49. The 49 disappeared. The one man is still waiting. Because he's not with them. He's in a different level. He's waiting there all alone. Moses is gone. These people are there. But he probably is seeing. Moses is gone. These people have gone. I will still wait. This is what Milton wrote in his Ode to Blindness. They also serve who stand and wait. All Elijah did at Cherith was wait. But he was serving God. Because that was what he was told to do. Wait. All he did at Zarephath was wait, but he was serving God. When you are obeying God and you are waiting while doing all the other regular things, you are serving God. Have you noticed Saul's life is full of sacrifices, no obedience. Exodus 33.11 
And the Lord, again, spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And he would return to the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. Ask yourself this question. Here is Moses. Wherever Moses goes, Joshua follows like a shadow. Like a shadow. I had one boy like that many years ago. I first saw him in that country when he was in class 9. The next year when I went to work with the underground church, he's the first guy I saw. He said, sir, he still calls me, sir, sir, uh, can I come with you? I said, if you want to come with me. And that's where he began. Then he began like the other two demands. Can I stay with you? I said, weekends, okay, only weekends. And I had so many services. I said, I'll be preaching the same thing at different churches. Some days it's three, some days it's six, some days it's eight services from six in the morning till eleven in the night. He says, I want to come with you. Joshua is like that. Wherever Moses goes, his shadow follows. Today he's a pastor. Today he's probably got the most influential ministry in that entire country. Okay. Here is a man. God speaks to Moses. It is not written God speaks to Joshua. And then God speaks to Moses. Moses has heard by Amen. Moses goes. This man doesn't go. He's sitting there. Because when God comes to speak to Moses, he's experiencing the presence of God. He says, if I cannot experience the voice of God, let me at least experience the presence. He stayed. Can you stay? Can you stay? Can you stay in your prayer closet if God is silent? God is not speaking to him. Can we stay? Simple principles to learn. Can you stay? See, this is where faith comes. First Samuel, chapter 3. Verses 1 onwards. Now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli. He knew his place. He knew his place. I am not called to minister to the Lord beside Eli. No. Before. Meaning, I do what he tells me to do. You remember after Abraham had goofed up and Ishmael is born and 13 years of silence and then the first thing God tells when he appears to him again is Abraham, walk before me and be blameless. It's a different thing to walk with God. You cannot walk with God unless you walk before him. So there is Eli walking, serving, sorry, uh, Samuel serving the Lord before Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. And it came to pass at that time when Eli was lying down in his place and when his eyes had begun to grow so dim that he could not see and before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord where the ark of God was and while Samuel was lying down. Why so much detail? There are so many people in the church, in the temple. There are priests, the priest's sons and all the Levites. One boy alone is sleeping where the presence is. One little boy, maybe seven or eight years old. Young kid. He chooses a place to sleep. He's sleeping as close as he can to the ark. And what happens? 
that the Lord called Samuel and he answered, here I am. So he ran to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. And he said, I did not call. Lie down again. And he went and lay down. You need to understand what scripture says. Let's read further so we will understand. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. He did not know God. The word of the Lord, God had never spoken to him. So when God called him, the simple question is, what did God's voice sound to him like? The voice of Eli. Which child doesn't want to sleep? But he woke up, not once, not twice, three times. So what was there in his life? Samuel knew only three people in his life, in his childhood. His father, his mother and the high priest. You should only know three people in your life, actually. Your father, your mother and your pastor. And when they call, run. When they call, run. Here I am. And he ran. Third time, Eli said, you know what? This is God. This is what he's saying. You know why it all happened? Because he chose to tarry in the right place. Wait in the right place. Numbers 27. We are looking at Joshua. Okay, And the Lord said to Moses, Take Joshua, the son of Nun, with you, a man in whom is the spirit, and lay your hand on him. Set him before Eleazar the priest, and before all the congregation, and inaugurate him in their sight. And you shall give him, give some of your authority to him that all the congregation of the children of Israel may be obedient. It's so interesting, right? He says, you know, do you call? This is where the term, the inauguration of the president and all comes from these words. That's why American presidents are inaugurated. It's called the inauguration because the first one to be inaugurated was Joshua. He says, what do you need to do? You shall give him some of your authority, not all your authority, because authority is a very dangerous thing. Give him some of his authority and see whether he can handle it. You're testing two people here. One, you're testing him. Can he handle authority? Two, you're testing the people. Well, will they obey delegated authority? I heard once a pastor say, all of you are so nice. Yes, honey. All of you are so good. You're all worshipping, all this, all that. He said, but I just heard a report from the parking lot. The report I heard from the parking lot was the one who was in charge of the parking. Movie. Traffic. Every Sunday after service, he comes and complains to me, saying, Pastor, these people who come in these big cars, no, they don't listen to anything they say. They shout at me, scream at me. And he told them, did you know I just put a little of my authority upon him to handle traffic? To see whether God, to be, you're showing to God whether he would be obedient or not. The kingdom of God works on delegated authority. And sometimes we do, if God tells me I will obey, God says no. You will never obey. You will never obey. 
Parents are delegated authorities. There are delegated authorities God has put on earth. And that's why there is Samuel. Samuel has always obeyed his father Elkanah and Hannah. So it's very easy for him to serve under Eli because he doesn't know what disobedience is. Usually children know what disobedience is. He doesn't know what disobedience is. So it's very easy for him. Some authority. Go to verse 22 to So Moses did as the Lord had commanded. He took Joshua, set him before Eleazar the priest, before all the congregation, and he laid his hands upon him and inaugurated him just as the Lord commanded by the hand of Moses. Everybody saw that it's a laying of hands. This is delegated. This has been designated. So everybody understands. Now let's go to the end. Deuteronomy 34, 9. After. Written at the end of that book. After. Now Joshua, the nun of, son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom. For Moses had laid his hands on him. So the children of Israel heeded him and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. Did you get that? Now listen carefully. Listen very, very carefully. Okay? Listen very, very carefully. Moses laid hands upon him. It's an ordination ceremony. Laid hands upon him. He received the spirit of wisdom. People all understand his delegated authority. They all listen to what Joshua is saying and all that. Okay? So he laid hands upon him and he received the spirit of wisdom. There is an inauguration of Joshua. All these things are happening. Now go back and read verse 18. 27 and verse 18 again. And the Lord said to Moses, take Joshua the son of Nun with you, a man in whom is the... So before the hands were laid, the spirit was upon him. What is he receiving is a gift of the spirit. But before the gift could be given, the spirit was already upon him. Why? Why? Acts 5 and verse 32. We are his witnesses to these things. So also is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. God so. Moses says, Joshua goes. Moses says, Joshua goes. Moses says, Joshua goes. He filled him with his spirit. Now he says, a public recognition uses, he's already obedient. I have given him my spirit. Now he'll receive a gift on top of it. Simple principles of the kingdom of God. These things are destined and determined by God. So you don't have to worry about obeying earthly authorities. They don't decide your destiny. God does. God does. Nobody can steal your blessings. You can lose it. You don't have to do any of these things. God is the one who determines your destiny, not man. But for the destiny to come, pa- come to pass, there is God's order. What do you think the Holy Spirit was, is looking for? Hebrews 5 and words 8 to 9 and then John 8, uh, 3.34, I want it in NIV or NLT. NLT is better. To understand the meaning. Though he was a son. He and S is in capitals. Yet he learned. Obedience by. Suffering. So there is a suffering or a sacrifice in obedience. 
and there is sacrifice without obedience. Okay? So he learned obedience by which he suffered. And having been perfect. Perfected in what? In obedience. Perfected in obedience. So what was father teaching his son who came in the flesh? Obedience. Learn to obey. Okay, you already know by the age of 12 what to do, but go home and obey to your parents who don't know what you're supposed to do. How many more years? 18 more years. Jesus stayed with his parents. Till 30. He never got married. So till 30 he was subject to them. Because if you live in a father's house and he puts bread on your table, be subject to them. The son of God, who knew his purpose at the age of 12, is being taught obedience. And he was perfected in obedience. And as a result, John 3 and verse 34. For he is sent by God. He speaks God's words. For God's spirit is upon him without measure or limit. Simple question. Why is God's spirit in him or upon him without measure? Because his obedience is without measure. Simple as that. Why is the spirit of God given to him without measure? Because if you look at his obedience, you can't measure it. He's perfect in obedience. Why I'm saying is this. Without the spirit, they cannot do anything. And as the days get more and more difficult, we don't need less of the spirit. We need more of the spirit. So in Joshua 1.1, God spoke. God spoke. God spoke. Is it NLT? Let's go back to NKJV, okay? God spoke. Don't confuse gifts with God speaking. Don't confuse. Gifts are one thing. God speaking to you is something else. You can operate under a gift without God speaking. You can operate under a gift with God speaking. Because you are operating a gift does not mean God is speaking and you are hearing. Be very, very careful. And it's a difference literally between life and death. So God spoke. What did he speak? Moses, my servant, is Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, arise. Question is, will we arise? Like I said, arise is not a small word. Arise is a huge word. Will you arise? Trusting what God has spoken? The odds against you are unlimited, but the only promise you have is I am with you. John 1.17 Law is given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Moses is dead. If Moses is dead, what is available? Grace and truth. Moses is dead. 
verses yesterday. What is available is grace and truth. What is offered is grace and truth. I want to look at a few verses. Turn with me Galatians 3 and verse 26 so that we'll understand the difference between the two generations. You are all sons. Let's use the word children. We are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Next verse 29. If you are Christ, then you are all Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So you are all children. You are all heirs. Hallelujah. Right? Now let's read verse 4, and four 1 and 2. I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he is master of all. He is under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the father. And a child of God, you are an heir according to the promise, but if you are a child, you still are under the law. The law is a guardian. You will never experience the freedom, the liberty that grace and truth brings. You are under the basic elements of this world. You don't know the liberty which the Holy Spirit comes. Are you a child? Yes. Do you experience the liberty of that the Spirit of God brings? This is the obedience that comes by faith. Moses was a child till the age of 80. Till the age of? Jethro said, get up. He got up. Zipporah said, eat. He ate. Because he was not ready. He refused to grow. Please remember. Unless the Lord builds. Unless the Lord watches. Unless we do what God tells us to do. Not that we tell God what we want to do. Turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 14. I know that whatever God does, it shall be forever. Read that again. If anything God does through you, it is forever. He who does the will of God abides forever. Whatever God does is forever. So please try to see that God does it through you so it is forever. Unless the Lord builds. Unless the Lord watches. All your efforts are all in vain. The fire will take it all. What a waste of time, life, energy, resources, talents, all are waste. Whatever God does, it shall be. Nothing can be added to it. Nothing can be subtracted from it. Cannot. If God has done something through it, nothing can be added to it. Nothing can be taken out of it. It's forever. Even though Abel is dead, he still speaks. 6,000 years later, or fourth, or yeah, 6,000 years later, he's still speaking. Why? Because the act of Abel was done by God. That's why it is written by faith. That's why faith is so fundamental. We are not allowed let me use that word. We are not allowed to live by sight. Because if you live by sight, it's my life. Not acceptable. It will not last. We are only allowed to live by faith. There is a righteousness that of God. 
That is from faith to faith. When you live by faith, your works are forever. And what it produces is the righteousness of God. And it all comes from hearing. But to hear, you have to first believe there is somebody who speaks. And before he can speak to you, you learn to obey those who speak to you. Who speak to you. Saul just had to listen to Samuel. Joshua had just had to listen to Moses. The children of Israel just had to listen to Moses. Did they listen to Moses? No, they didn't listen to Moses. The second generation did. We don't understand how God works. I was telling the church last week, when an entire generation is rebelling against Moses and literally dropping dead in the desert during their wanderings, another generation is rising. Completely different generation. How is it possible Because all they see is their father's grumble and crumble, mother's grumble, crumble, disobey, all kind of things happening. These children are obedient. How can these two come up at the same time? And when Joshua comes and speaks to them, there's only one thing they say. Whatever you say, they will obey. Anybody who disobeys, you tell us, we'll finish him up. (laughs) Only one thing we say. As God was with Moses, that God be with you. The simple question is, that is why you don't know what God is doing in a church. And one generation is sometimes just wasting their time and energy and resources and life away. Another generation is rising up at the same time. One generation, all they are thinking about, they're wondering, Egypt is like this, Egypt is like this, Egypt is, I wish we could go back to Egypt. Another generation is walking around with them saying, promised land, promised land, promised land, promised land, promised land, promised land. They didn't grumble. They didn't complain. So when the first instruction is given to them to keep quiet for seven days, it was very easy. Imagine the first generation, would they have kept quiet for seven days? Moses finally in retrospect effect, you know, he understands everything and says, all your ways are right. Thank you, Lord. (laughs) Now I understand why you didn't get these people in. Walls of Jericho wouldn't have fallen down. They would have fallen on the walls of Jericho and died. Complaining. Are you getting the picture? I'm telling you because there are many generations, many types of generations, the young children who hear very clearly, the older people who hear very clearly. But the simple thing is that we serve a God who speaks. You have to hear. Don't waste your time. Don't waste your energy. We have a God who speaks. In whatever crisis you're going through, whatever crisis you're going through, what you hear is what will deliver you. A woman was dying with the issue of 12 years of issue of blood. She had gone to every doctor. She, her situation became worse and her money ran out and then she heard. The question is when she heard, will she believe? She heard. Would she believe? Your work is forever. Nothing can be added to it. Nothing taken from it. God has it. That meant that men should fear before him. In verse 15, 
that which is it is has already been what is to be has already been and god requires an account of what is past do you know what he says you know what it simply means simple language there's no past or present for god it's already done but you have a free will and you will have to give an account what i am going to do in future also god knows that doesn't mean i am exempt he says what you do in future i already know but when you stand before me you will answer me for your past and your future because i gave you a free will choose simple things please don't misunderstand and confuse this with salvation it's a free gift but there are no other free gifts in heaven everything is a reward entry free entry free you cannot enter no man can boast nothing absolutely but you need to realize you need to hear if you don't hear you will die that's simple as that i shared my one of my testimony i've shared it here before last night and i'm very sure most of you didn't listen last night i'm very confident about my own church other churches i know they will listen because you are also busy you see working and watching in vain i'll tell you why it is so important this is the year 1999 this is the week of october month of october the puja week and i was traveling from hyderabad to guwahati calcutta then i was up not guwahati tezpur i was supposed to fly in from I know the time very well. Between 11 and midnight, a train was late. It was for Lucknow Express. I was in slipper class. My seat number was 60. 24 years ago. I was not well. I didn't realize how bad it was. I went to sleep. I woke up and I felt like puking. I didn't know. I was bleeding inside. My stomach was full of blood. I had no clue. I felt like puking. You are in seat number 60. If you know Indian Railways. you get 60 61 62 63 64 and the restrooms the bathrooms are here so i got up and i went god said turn left my faith you understand bathroom is here he said turn left the other end of the corridor he said turn left i turned left and i walked before i reached the end i collapsed and i collapsed and went into a coma and actually died and i fell on top of the only doctor traveling in the train dr pai from wokhart hospitals he caught me that's why he said turn left he caught me 15 minutes or 5 minutes i don't know how many minutes later my i'm not going to do that because i don't want your faith to rest on those experiences leave that where i went and what i saw and all is irrelevant okay if you don't see it makes no difference when i came back I was covered with water they had thrown water the doctor was kneeling putting his uh, spoon to keep my tongue down because my tongue had come out and people all hindus know with chappals and all because they thought you know all kind of these things all standing around me and i looked around one day where am i okay then i looked he said it's okay okay you collapsed you collapsed i thought you were gone you are gone i said i feel like puking he said okay okay come i will take you so he shooed all the people off we went and he said don't lock the door don't lock the door i'll stand outside but you know we are indians we lock the door next thing gone i'm gone again 
gone again. I don't know how many minutes I'm gone again. When I opened my eyes, I'm lying flat on the floor of the toilet, covered in blood. And I heard the Lord say second time, do not fear. If you fear, you will die. If you fear, you will die. So I put my hands on the side and I rose up and I spoke. I spoke. I will not fear. In Jesus' name, I will rise. And I arose. And I opened the door. Everybody had gone. Because nobody wants to get tangled with a dead body in India. That is Indian rule. Nobody wants to get tangled. So even the doctor had disappeared. <laughs> when I walked down, he saw me. Very nice person. His wife, two daughters were doing their undergraduation. He came and he said, come lie down. He brought me something to eat and all. He said, where are you going? I said, I'm going to Assam. Do you know anybody in Calcutta? I said, I don't know anybody in Calcutta. And it's midnight. He said, look. Now, this is not a Christian doctor. It's a Hindu doctor. He said, I'm a doctor. I will not leave you until I have seen that you are admitted in a hospital. That's my duty. Is there anybody I can call? I'm trying to think to midnight. Who can you call? Then I realized there is somebody. Old lady is there, and I said, There's an old lady, family. She sleeps with the phone next to her because she herself is a doctor, but she's not here, far away, another city. You call her, maybe they have somebody whom they can call. So he ran, brought a wheelchair, he sat in the wheelchair in the platform with the wife and the daughter sitting around me. He ran to make a call. No cell phones, and all these days you need to find a PCO. He found a PCO, called this lady and said, uh, this person collapsed. He needs to be admitted. It's urgent. And she said, okay, let me call somebody. Again, a stranger called Praveen. He died. He was much younger than me. Another Hindu guy came to pick me up. He came. By the time I'm sitting outside Yatri Nivas and all these places so well, Havra Station, this gentleman his wife, his daughter sitting on the steps, all the sardha, taxi drivers, everybody giving me tips about health and everything. And I'm asking, what do you do to these kids? What course you are doing? Conversation. And then this man comes in the car. And he looks at me. And I'm looking at him. Every car I'm looking because I'm, I'm blacking out. So he gets me into the car and I pass out. Again, third time. And something interesting happened. When he talked to this lady... He told, auntie, I'm taking him to this hospital. And she told him, no, don't take him there. Take him to AG's hospital, I think at Park Street. Okay. So I reached this hospital. I'm admitted. I'm in AG's hospital, Park Street. Okay. What happened later? The funny part is that later when I met her and I said, thank you, because of you, I reached uh, AG's hospital. She said to me, AG's hospital? I don't even know there is an AG's hospital. She said, but he said that you told him on the phone. She said, I never told him AG's hospital. God can even speak through the phone and tell him where to take my servant. AG's hospital. And at 5 or 6 in the morning when my eyes opened, I was in the ICCU, bed number 1. The first thing, eyes opened, bed number 1, it was written over there, it is written, Jesus heals. And I heard him say, you are healed. Then I got up from my bed saying, I am healed. And the nurses came running said, sir, I see you cannot get up. I said, I am fine. I am fine. I'm telling you. For me, I know. It's literally difference between life and death. 
Two days later, I am, I, I, my ticket got cancelled. And the flight is only two days later. I have to go to Tezpur. I have to preach at a crusade, the meeting, not the crusade. They had organizers. I have supposed to share the word with them. And they said, you cannot go. The flight is packed only two, twice a week. There is a flight. The flight is packed. I said, I will go. How will you go? I said, God will make a way because if you did all these things. Okay, another interesting story is that I went into the hospital with 900 rupees. And I came out of the hospital with 3,000 rupees. Because when God puts his servant in the ICU, he still gets an offering. So Thursday they said, how are you going to travel? I said, I'm going to travel. Why? Because I have to go. If all this was ordained and intervened by God. This is such a small thing, you know. Thursday morning, they, Wednesday night, they called me and said, your ticket is confirmed. They released the governor's VIP quota and your seat number one. So I traveled regally, preached, and finished my work. I'm telling you, if you do not hear, you will hear. You will die. You will die. Man shall not. There are situations in your life where if you do not hear from God, you will not know. Sometimes all he has to say is one word, wait. That's all it takes. If he says wait, wait in Cherith, fine. How long? You will tell. The power of that one little four-letter word, wait. But because we do not hear that word, wait, we are anxious, we are fearful, we are worrying, we are doing everything because we did not hear that one word, wait. I told them yesterday, the other testimony, you know, just sharing a few. A little boy had come from, come back from school, four year old, every day you have to carry him and run up the corridor. I carried him, ran up, up the corridor. He said, faster, I had to take a turning. I ran faster and I slipped. Split second, I moved him from my right hand to my left hand and fell on my right hand. So I didn't want to harm any. He didn't have even a scratch on him. And I broke my elbow. Opened the door, put him in the seat, put on Pogo and said, wait there, watch. And I passed out. Half an hour later, called somebody and said, can you come? Because I think I broke my arm. Went to the hospital, cast was put for the next six weeks, learned to do everything with my left hand, including to write and to cook and to preach. Everything I learned, even how to chop with my left hand. Everything I learned to do with my left hand. Never missed a single meeting. Six weeks later, cast is going to be removed today. Tomorrow I am supposed to travel on a huge mission trip to Bhutan and Sikh, Assam and everything. Cast is removed. And the doctor said, very kindly, he said, it will take you a, a couple of weeks for your hand to get its strength back, to stretch, do it slowly, 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 slowly. I said, okay, fine. So I was thinking, I'm trying to negotiate how am I going to travel with all this luggage and everything. Evening, I put on the TV, and you have this preacher preaching. That's where you need to realize, nothing is bound by time when God speaks. Suddenly he stops and says, there is a man who is watching me, who broke his right arm. And the cast was taken off today. And the Lord is telling you to stretch your hand. I stretched my hand. I was perfectly healed. I carried both the bags and went on my trip next day. 
The question is, when you hear, will you believe? Will you believe? Will you believe? Because faith comes from hearing. Hearing from the word of God. The word of God says, my God is a healer. My word of God says, by his stripes, we were healed. My word of God says, he sent forth his word for me. It is Jesus Christ and healed us of our diseases. The word of God says he took his infirmity, my infirmities and diseases. Personalize everything. This is not knowledge. This is life. This is not knowledge. This is life. Fifteen years ago when this church started, didn't start here. I asked the Lord, what do you want me to do? One thing I never wanted to do, he said, start. I said, you know, I've been running. I don't want to start a church. I will teach. I will be itinerant preacher. I'll go anywhere you say. No luxury. Nothing about church. No. He said, but that's what I'm asking you to do. I said, okay. Then he told me three things. He said, as a church, you don't have to look for a place. The place will come to you. Don't look for people. People will come to you. And I will meet all the needs of the church. Do you know in this 15 years, I never invite anybody to church? My wife may, I don't. Never invite anybody to church. There's nobody who can sit here can say that I call you to church. Because I don't call people to church because he said, I will send. We've been only in two places. Do you know both the places came to us? I never went out of my house even to look for a place. The place came to us. Others looked for me. I didn't look. It came to us. Do you know till today as a church we have always paid our bills? Always paid our bills? Yet look around. How many people actually work in this church? If you don't hear it's very difficult. But when you hear, you need to know who is speaking. And that's what I said. I gave you that example. God spoke for the first time. He spoke. What did he speak? Let there be. Do you know what light does? Do you know what the speed with which it travels? And that's something he spoke. Something he spoke. And there he is. Again he told us, not your face, only your voice. Until COVID came, we were never, that's why I still don't like that thing. Never like that thing because he said, you shall be a voice. I didn't want to be a face. Just wanted to be a voice. Because faces have its own problems. It creates additional problems. All these years, we were just a voice. We were on not on YouTube, we are not on Facebook, we are on the internet and we had around 15,000 subscribers on podcast without advertisement. Not a pamphlet printed, not a poster printed, nothing. The simple thing is that when you hear one, will you believe? Second, will you obey? Even till last night, do you know where the questions are coming from? The questions are coming from all around the world. They're not coming from India. Every week it's coming from all around the world. From Afghanistan to Australia to Canada to US to Middle East to everywhere. It's coming. But the simple question is, our channel is not even a monetized channel. 
Meaning, if you monetize, you have all the ads and everything. Meaning, Facebook tries to suppress us as far as possible. You don't need any of these things. The only one who I have, who actually prints or something is Pastor Ramesh. I'm telling you these things because you know what? You may not be called into ministry, but you are called to serve God together with Him. And the simple thing is that, simple thing is that, do you believe? Are you at a place where you can hear? Are we at a place where we can hear? Can you stay in that place where you can hear? Because it's a difference between life and death. You should not hear at the end of your life, like Lot. Arise! Take your children and care. Destruction is coming. What's the point of hearing? Is he a saved man? Yes. He entered the promised land at the same time as Abraham. But the only time he hears from Abraham is when destruction is knocking at his door. A lot of people hear like that. Put make peace with God, you're dying today. They make peace and die. That's the only time they heard. What a waste of life. What a waste of life. Yet he came to give us life. That's why God is saying, life is more than this. This is not life. And it comes with surrender. You have to go to God over and over with all your failings and all the... Keep going back to God daily and say, Lord, I surrender. Not my will, but your will. I'm surrendering myself to your will, Lord. Your will be done in my life. Your will be done. I want your will. I'm willing to wait. Willing to wait. Each one of us has to personally hear. You are taught. You are taught primarily the general will of God. Even prophecy is a confirmation of what you have already heard. You cannot be led by prophecy. The new covenant. No, it is a confirmation of what you have already heard. Already heard. I still remember that day when I preached in that huge church in Kharagpur. Telugu service. Packed. I preached translation. I could see the priest, CSI priest, I think, weeping and weeping and weeping. Wondering, why is this man weeping? Because the preaching had nothing to do with weeping. But people weep. So when everything was over, I took him, he took me to his home, and then he told me why he was weeping. He said, sir, see my phone. I have all your messages. I downloaded from the internet. But today, when I heard you preach, I realized that was the voice I had always heard. This is that man standing in my pulpit. (coughs) He didn't know me. He doesn't have to know me. We don't have to be known. Escape from that trap. We don't have to be known, but Christ has to be known. We don't have to be known. If we are known now, we'll be unknown then. That's what he means, the least in the kingdom. They are the unknown ones. Because they only wanted Christ to know them, to be known. Because these are the things that people run in the world. He says life is more than that. This fifth Sunday of this first month, what I want to encourage you is that. Let Christ be your life. It doesn't matter how old you are. Your age is irrelevant. Your age is irrelevant. 
Joshua heard at 80. Moses heard at 80. Aaron ate at 83. These people are all who ate. Samuel ate at 8. Good for him. If you can hear early, it's fine. Jesus also heard early. But what he heard was be subject. Be quiet and sit down there and listen to what your dad and mom says. For how many years, dad? 18 years. I'll appoint the time. The Bible says his obedience was perfect. The Spirit of God was already upon Joshua. And he says, no, proclaim. Because the Spirit is given to those who obey. Obey. So learn this simple, simple lesson. It will start tomorrow, weekday. The first is your battle with your flesh. The first battle is... Will you wake up? After you wake up, will you get up? After you get up, will you go into the presence of God? Will you stay in the presence of God? That's where it all begins. Simple things. That's where Jesus began. Morning by morning, See, we want the tongue of the instructor. No, that's not where it began. Morning by morning, you awakened me. I did not turn like one. Rebellious. Therefore, you opened my... See, God is not opening here. He's first seeing whether he will wake up. Lord, open my ears. I'll wake up. God says, wake up and I'll open your ears. Lord, I woke up. He said, no, I didn't say that. I said, it is written, morning by morning, wake up. Oh Lord, I woke up one morning very early. You never spoke to me. He said, that's all, one morning. One time after. One morning. That's not written about my son. My son, it is written morning by morning. Every morning he woke up. Every morning he woke up. Simple things. That is Amalek. That is Amalek. Amalek will fight you. And you cannot afford to lose. It's literally a matter of life and death. When did Amalek come? When they had tasted the water at Rephidim. They are drunk from the rock. Drunk from the rock. So this morning we will stand up. And once again surrender to this. These are all personal things. Okay, We can have this group surrender and group talk and all happens in IT companies. Surrender is personal. <coughs> Surrender is person. Even if a little child sitting over here, okay, surrenders. God hears. God sees. God takes you very seriously. Very, very seriously. Takes you very seriously. Takes you very seriously. It's a one-on-one saying, Lord, this is who I am. This is who I am. I surrender, Lord. And help me to surrender. I heard the truth. I receive the truth by faith. Now, Lord, I don't have the strength. I receive your grace by faith. Both are by faith. Now give me the strength to obey what I have heard. I don't want to live purposeless lives. Especially ladies, sisters here. I'm telling you. Sometimes you all get offended when I tell things. But I cannot speak anything other than what is written in the word of God. To young girls, what I tell them is, you know what you should pray? Lord, 
Bring me that appointed man in my life when I grow up to whom I can submit and serve. That's my purpose. Go back to Genesis 2. That's your purpose. It's not a career. Good for you. Learn, knowledge, acquire. But you don't meet that man to whom you are supposed to help me, to whom purpose has been given. You will live a purposeless life. People get very offended with me. But I said, it is written. I cannot help speaking it. God never speaks to a woman. In the Bible. Every time he speaks to a woman, he speaks to a woman about a man. To Eve, he says, the seed of the woman. So it's not about Eve, it's about the seed. To Hagar, he says, lift up the boy. So it's about the boy. To Deborah, he says, it's about Barak. To Manoah's wife, it says, about Samson. To Mary, it says, it's about Jesus. Tell me one place he has spoken to a woman and if it is not about a man. Because God will not subvert his order. And you are just living purposeless life if you do not go and ask God, what am I supposed to be? Because there is a false reasoning in the world and you swallow it. You will miss your purpose. You may work all that thing, but when you reach in heaven, that is eternity. It will be all be wiped out. Are you saved? Yes. Did you have purpose? No. But God said, I, you didn't ask me. You didn't ask me. I would have told you. Even if you minister, it should be under that head. Because the head of woman is man. Head of man is Christ. The man, the first thing you teach your boys is that. Learn headship. Come under Christ. Come under Christ. Come under Christ. Come under Christ like Joshua. Come under, come under so that one day God can speak to you. Stay under, stay under, stay under. Don't worry about doctrine. First learn obedience so that God can speak to you. Speak to you. Don't look at the patterns you see in the world. This has got nothing to do with the word of God. This is truth. It will never change. God will never change. Inheritance in heaven is a different thing. There's no male or female there. Don't take that one isolated verse. It is talking about inheritance in eternity. It's got nothing to do with purpose on earth. Yes, you should be educated. For what? For what? For purpose. For purpose. Man's purpose, woman's purpose are not the same. They work together. Therefore, there are so many women in the Bible. Only one is named. Her name is Sarah. And in Isaiah, God says, look unto Abraham and Sarah. Them alone I called. Not Rebecca. Subverted purpose. Not Rachel. Subverted purpose. Not Zipporah. Subverted purpose. It's difficult to hear, but it is true. Therefore, you go to God based on truth and say, Lord, I surrender. I'm a girl. I'm a boy. I surrender. Christ is my head. I want a head. I don't want to live life headless. And a woman, a girl should say, Lord, I don't want to live life headless. Let my purpose be defined by the head you place over me. Because this is where purpose is. And the head of Christ was God. Therefore he says, I do nothing other than what I see the Father doing. I say nothing other than what the Father says. Absolutely, totally under headship, though he is equal to God. 
He showed us a way. In that way is truth. And in that truth is life. That's the life he has come. I can only teach you general will of God. You have to define and understand and receive purpose and love that life of God has ordained for you. Then we all can say at the end, I fought a good fight. It was a good fight. It was a good fight. Thank you, Lord. I finished my race. And I kept my faith. I kept my possessed life. I didn't let the devil steal me at the end. Father, this morning we come to you, Lord. We come as a church, all of us, none of us exempted, Lord. In these last days with so much doctrines, as you call it, doctrines of devils floating around in universities and schools. Everything that is evil is called good. Everything that is good is called evil. People are confused. But Lord, the word of God says there is no confusion in the house of God. There is only order. There is no shadow of turning with thee, Lord. And I pray, Father, let there be order in our lives. Let there be light in our lives. And we'll walk in that order and walk in that light and walk in that obedience. And we don't even have to wait for the laying of hands. You will keep on filling us with the Spirit of God. And when the laying of hands comes, we will receive a gift to be used for your glory, for your kingdom, for your purpose. We don't want any gift for our own purpose, Lord. It is all about Christ. Because the hope of our glory is Christ. It's Christ. And the carnal mind, my mind, everyone's mind here which is carnal is in enmity with God. We do not even want to think on that route, oh Father. But there is another mind that is at peace with God. That is at rest with God. When it says wait, it's willing to wait. When it says run, like the Spirit told Philip, it's willing to run. When it says walk, it's willing to walk like Abraham. Cleanse our ears with your precious blood that we may hear. Heal our eyes with your divine ointment, balm of Gilead, that we may see. And Lord, daily, above all, cleanse our lips with your holy fire that we speak life. Life into our own lives, not death, but life. Life, Father, life to our children, to our friends, to our family. Life, 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 Lord. For you have put life and death in the tongue. Go with us, Lord. Go before us and teach us also to walk before us so that we may be blameless in your sight. Help us not to make decisions based on what is right or wrong, but on what is true in your sight. We don't want a ministry. We want you. We are not looking for a job or a career. We are looking for you. For you are our life. We confess today, we proclaim today, you are our life. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Come here, everyone, especially the children, Lord. Because this, I believe in my heart, it's a different generation growing right before our eyes. 
are children who truly in their innocence love you. They love you in their little ways. They love you. Guard their hearts and their minds, Lord. That they will always love you. They will always seek you. They will always worship you. And they will always serve you, Lord. A generation that will know God and grow great exploits. And all those who are older, let them also take heart that there are many, many in the kingdom whom God called when they were old. Age is just a number for you, Lord. If you could quicken Abraham's and Isaiah's body when they were old to fulfill your promise, you can still do it with anybody, Lord. Let there be a quickening in weak and old bodies, O Lord, that your promise may come to pass in their lives too, Lord, for you are the God of all flesh. That the very Spirit of God that resides in us may quicken our mortal bodies, which is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life, and the Spirit may quicken our mortal bodies, O Lord, that we may serve you till the end, O Father. Thank you, thank you, Father, thank you, Lord. Lord, I praise you. I worship you. I glorify you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each one of us. Amen. 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 God bless you.